in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the eighth ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, because the curse is broken. It is broken. I was terrified. I didn't think I needed to be worried. It- well, then I almost awakened the curse at the end of the game because I brought it up. Yes. And then, like... You spoke it into existence. I did. And it was came very dangerously close to uh, keeping that curse alive. But it's gone. It's broken. It's returned to hell or wherever it came from. We don't even have to talk about it after this episode because it doesn't exist anymore. You're, you're correct. But uh, we have a doozy of an episode because we have a crazy game to break down. Um after coming from two nothing games to this monstrosity of a game, I don't think it's really fair that this is the first real game that we have to recap, but we'll do our best. Um, but before we do that, we'll jump into the news. Some random basketball news. Christian Guess, I'm sure you've all heard by now, a three-star wing from the state of Ohio is now a Missouri Tiger. He enrolled last monday and he's going to be on the team he's a 2018 recruit Mm -hmm. so just snatching up that scholarship vacated by cullen van leer yeah it it sounds like he was actually uh being pursued by some legitimate um opposition in ohio state and west virginia so uh welcome christian i guess uh it's totally random out of nowhere i never even heard of him Mm -mm. Uh, i didn't know anything about him but yeah i was reading a couple articles and it sounds like there were a few schools looking at him, like you said, that they wanted him to go to a prep school um, and be a 2019 recruit. He had some transcript issues. Missouri was able to dig into that and help get all that situated so that he could be a 2018 recruit and enroll. He's um, uh, Most people are referring to him as a wing. Um, I'd say he's more of a guard wing than a forward wing. So maybe add a little guard depth this year to the two three spot that'll be helpful positionless basketball exactly um a youtube video i saw had said that he is the grimiest player in the nation so <laughs> that's that's something. gotta be good yes. that's, that's gotta be good they didn't mean it as an insult so um another pickup on the football side cj boone picked missouri um that's one that we've been waiting on for a while a wide receiver from St. Louis. Yep, we've. Uh, I think we've known that Mizzou had a pretty good chance to get C.J. Boone for a while. Still good to see it official. It's good to see that Lou to the Zoo connection still going strong. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that C.J. Boone's going to be a world beater in his time at Mizzou. I mean, he's he's got potential. Um, he's definitely uh, a speedy wide receiver that can definitely help us. So, um, but uh, as I'm really just excited that St. Louis recruits are picking Mizzou yeah. at this point. That's probably my favorite part about about this whole thing is there's some real momentum right now. It seems like we're getting wide receivers left and right. I mean, I it, it helps because like Jalen Knox is in the news because he's been playing so well as a freshman. It's like, I don't know, every other player that Barry Odom recruits is a wide receiver, I it seems like. I thought the same thing recently <laughs> is we're in on a lot of wide receivers. Um, another football item, CBS Sports just released a mock draft. Um, seems kind of out of nowhere, but they have Drew Locke number one overall to the Giants. So that's been kind of buzzing around Twitter lately. 
cool thing to think about. But yeah, long time away. Yeah, I'm sure even like days away from the draft next year, we'll still not really know what's going on. But obviously, uh, we know a lot about Drew Locke. He's got the physical uh, tools to be a great quarterback in the NFL someday. Uh, so yeah, it'll be definitely it's an interesting storyline to watch this year, and I'm sure the Giants will probably be in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, it seems like at this point he's a lock to be a first round draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the Giants with Eli Manning, it's kind of just like when is his time over mm-hmm. in New York, and then I mean, if you had a young trio of Drew Locke, Saquon Barkley, and Odell Beckham Jr. that yeah, imagine Drew Locke throwing touchdowns to OBJ. Yeah, that's a that's, nice thought. Yeah, which I don't know. It'd be really cool to see a Mizzou player be drafted number one overall as well. But, that would be um, really awesome. However that ends up happening. I mean, I don't even see the Giants. They have. I feel like they'd have to trade up to the number one pick anyway, which mm-hmm. is assuming a lot. So Yeah, these like draft mock draft storylines are, are often pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, next item on my list, the... 2019 Mizzou football schedule was released and I don't even have the whole thing in front of me I wrote down one word and that is <coughs> Troy because Worst game on the schedule why would anybody <laughs> schedule Troy I don't know and they they got us in 2004 and they got Nebraska this past weekend and they got LSU a couple of years ago so they're on a they're on a hot streak yeah so I guess so we'll, thanks we'll Mike Alden goes. yeah um, <laughs> so whoever scheduled that game, I don't know. Alden, I don't think Mike Alden did, but oh, okay. Um, maybe, maybe he did. Uh, who knows? But I'm not real happy with whoever did it. Yeah. Also, we have to go to Wyoming. Not real happy about that one either, because it's just a really long trip to play mm-hmm. and kind of an inferior opponent on the road. It's yeah. Really, it seems like not a very common thing. Yeah, I thought for that power was kind of opponents. a weird home and home when it was announced. Like. I don't know. Wyoming is kind of that fringe team between you. You think of having home and home series with power five teams mm-hmm. and you think of these sort of lesser schools just being you play them at home and one yeah. year and that's it. So for it to be a home and home, I thought when it was announced, I thought that was kind of odd. So yeah, to, hopefully uh, to take the Drew Lockless Mizzou Tigers on on the road to Wyoming next year, the first yeah. game of the year gives me. Uh, anxiety a little bit, but mm-hmm. let's finish up this year first, I guess, before we worry about next year. Exactly. Um, another couple basketball items. Um, Christian Braun uh, announced his decision. Um, Who? I, <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember where I was going with that. Um, a high schooler just moved to Springfield. His name is Aminu Muhammad. And uh, I got this information from Jordan Burton on Twitter. Um, he kind of covers Southwest Missouri um, basketball, especially. He's a five-star 2021 player and a brother of current Missouri State forward Kabir Muhammad. Um, and he's going to be playing at Greenwood Lab School, which for those people not familiar with Springfield, that's a tiny, tiny school on the campus of Missouri State University. It's like a private class two yeah. school that's not good at sports. Right. So I totally random. I have a feeling he's going to destroy. I mean, any five star player you add him into a tiny little school like that, he's just gonna tear it up. So that's, I feel like he's gonna quickly realize once he gets here, he's like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
I mean, if you're looking that far ahead at uh, a local school's chances to reel a guy in, him playing against far inferior competition might hide him a little bit Mm -hmm. from some of the other big schools. But yep. So hopefully, Conzo is on him because five star in your backyard is not a not a terrible thing. Right, and obviously he'll have ties to the area with his brother being at Missouri State. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you had a couple more things here. Oh, yes. Uh, it is a obviously huge game this weekend against Georgia, um, if you've heard of that team. Uh, we also have some uh, quite a bit of visitors this weekend. <clears throat> I know there's probably going to be a lot more guys uh, that are on campus this weekend, but I think some of the guys that have confirmed a visit or an official visit, uh, Stacy Brown, I'm not super familiar with him, but he's a safety from Texas. Um, most likely kind of a backup plan for Jelani Williams, who is also a safety uh, from Parkway North uh, High School in St. Louis. And so Jelani has got a top three of Mizzou, LSU, and Alabama right now. So obviously super huge prospect, and I actually think Mizzou's really in the mix on this one, but I uh, would not be surprised to see him go elsewhere. So uh, Stacey Brown's, I'm assuming, probably plan B for Jelani. And they're both on campus this weekend? Yes, and uh, yes, as well as C.J. Boone, who is uh, also from Parkway North. So he and Jelani are teammates, high school teammates, so mm-hmm. maybe that can uh, sway Jelani in Mizzou's favor a little bit. Yeah, C.J.'s definitely been on Twitter lately, just yeah. blowing up people. It's always fun to see the, the new commits, like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, just like, you've been following them for months, and they're just impartial to teams, and then all of a sudden, right. just def- the, the switch flips, and you see them just start recruiting for Mizzou. is kind of fun to watch, oh, so... Yeah. Um, and then we've got Jared Baker. He's an athlete from Florida. Don't know a whole lot about him. I don't know where Mizzou uh, wants him to play if he does end up here. Uh, Isaiah McGuire is a defensive end from Tulsa. Um, right now, he's incredibly under-recruited. I think he only has offers from Missouri State and Tulsa. So, But I think Mizzou likes him quite a bit as a high upside, under, under-recruited guy. So kind of hoping he stays under the radar a little bit. But I definitely think that we could see a commitment from him this weekend. So definitely a commitment watch for Isaiah McGuire. And then the last kind of confirmed guy that at least I'm aware of at this time is Malik Carr. And he is a wide receiver tight end from Michigan. And so he has some obvious ties to Mizzou with his father being Cornell Mann, the uh, Missouri basketball assistant coach. And he actually has an offer to play basketball at mm-hmm. Mizzou as well. So that's kind of an interesting prospect. He's more highly ranked as a football player, though, right? I think yeah, so, yeah. I, I think that he will probably end up playing football mm-hmm. in college. So I, there's probably going to be a lot more guys that we see kind of come out over the next day or two as uh, guys on official and unofficial visits. But I think those are kind of the guys that we've got confirmed at this time. Yeah, those big recruiting weekends are exciting, and hopefully they get a good game to watch and get yeah, good the, weather, good game, the full experience. Yep. Well, that's all I have for news. So we will jump into a robust recap of a crazy week three game against Purdue. Um, I think maybe we'll just start at the beginning and we'll just go from there and. Uh, fill it in with stats and stuff because this was this was a wild game didn't quite go as we expected um some parts of it did some parts definitely did not um mizzou came on top came out on top 40 to 37 but it was a pretty stressful and winding road to get there um the first drive of the game it looked like 
you know, kind of what we expected. Um, Larry Roundtree ran for two first downs. He had an 18-yard run. But then things went off the rails when um, Emmanuel Hall dropped a sure thing touchdown pass. It looked like we were going to gash them twice on the ground and then just take the top off for about a 40-yard touchdown and go up 7-0 within the first two minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was literally like the third or fourth play of the drive, maybe. Like, we looked so surgical um in that first drive and uh, i mean we've known about emmanuel hall's struggle to catch the ball that's that's definitely probably his weakest part of his game um if he if he was like a sure hands guy i mean he would probably be the one of the best if not the best wide receiver in college football like he just athletically is yeah we'd be talking about him as like a first or second or third round draft pick yeah easy yeah, so definitely uh, we've known about that for a while, but it just still hurts to see when he just drops a sure touchdown in a game that we know that might come back to haunt us mm-hmm. later in the game, and I, it almost did. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Missouri kicked the field goal to go up 3-0, and then immediately Purdue just basically had no thoughts of running the ball. They just started their dissection of the Missouri defense through the air. Um, the very first play of Purdue's first drive – um, DeMarcus AC actually blew up a pass play um, in the backfield for an incompletion, but he proceeded to knock himself out in the process, <laughs> literally, and so he did not come back for the rest of the game. Yeah, that was tough. He uh, AC's huge for us on defense. He's such a physical corner, and yeah, he he read that play so well. I mean, it was almost a backwards pass. I think right. there was like a we were kind of looking at that for a minute. Like, did he throw that backwards? Because right. it was about as close as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. It, yeah. So then Purdue goes on to have passes for 24 yards, 50 yards, and then a 12 yard touchdown pass. So they went up seven to three in it. I kind of wrote that first series off as like uh, this weird thing happened with AC. Kind of now we have a new guy in the secondary that they're going to throw the defense off their rhythm. Um, let's just get that one out of our system and bounce back. Um, then they traded three and outs and that's when Crockett started to I mean he right from the bat just did not look like his normal self I mean he had a two-yard run a four-yard run a two-yard run and those three rushes ended up being half of his total carries he ended up with just six carries for 17 yards and Mm so I don't know if the coaches saw something right then and they just thought we're gonna give it to Roundtree the rest of the game but Mm -hmm. yeah some of the coaches I think have been kind of quoted in the past few months kind of saying we're we're, you know we've got three capable running backs we're gonna go with go with a guy with a hot hand Mm -hmm. um so i'm not sure if they just kind of felt like roundtree was killing it this game let's just keep feeding him or uh if we should be concerned about crockett uh probably not at this point but still i don't know i I just have a hard time completely writing it off that he really did nothing in this game um, considering he's been kind of our our feature back for the last couple of years, so uh, as long as somebody does, though, right? Yeah. yeah so Roundtree, you know, ends up having a career game, so good right. for him. But I still would like to probably see Crockett look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So um, Missouri then came out. They basically threw two passes. One went for 42 yards to Emmanuel Hall, and then a 21 yard touchdown pass to Jonathan Johnson. And it looked like the passing game was going on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the I mean we've said it all year. The the pass blocking was just like impeccable, mm-hmm. especially on this play uh, that he had the the twenty yard, uh, twenty one yard pass to Jonathan Johnson. I mean he had like 
five seconds yeah. of just like nobody even close to him and he could have probably gone longer if he needed mm-hmm. to he just waited all day for for uh, jj to get open and it it showed a really cool angle of that pass on the game we kind of ran it back a couple times to watch it because it was it's so cool sometimes just in that standard television camera right. view you just kind of lose how talented these guys are mm-hmm. and it was just so cool to to see drew lock through that ball before jj had even finished his route yeah, like he before was like just starting to make that final cut in yep. the end zone and the ball was coming out of his hand just he he knew he could read it and see mm-hmm. he's gonna be wide open there and he was it yeah. was beautiful great play for sure yeah that back of the end zone view really showed that really well mm-hmm. and then well, something that i thought maybe was just gonna you know we talked about the possibility of Missouri getting off to a fast start and just running up a 21-7 score, 21-0 score. Cam Hilton intercepted a pass on the very next possession, and I thought that we may be headed for something like that, but um, Missouri was held to just a field goal to go up uh, 13-7. to mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the better plays of the night i definitely was kind of scared whenever you start to see all that trickery and yeah um you're like oh no this is about to be a huge play so so good thing for cam hilton uh kind of jumping that route maybe got a little bit lucky that it was underthrown. right uh yeah it was, it was a bad pass that's but. the kind of thing you're going to get from cam hilton though i think at times you'll see him out of position and maybe give up a big play but you'll also he- see him make big plays so he's an exciting player like that though and with the way the game turned out that <laughs> the quarterback had so few mistakes. You, the yeah. fact that we took such good advantage of that one, that was actually ended up being huge for the Tiger defense. Yeah. And then on that field goal drive, that was the first drive for Tyler Beatty in the backfield. And uh, he had some good runs, a 13-yard run, an 8-yard run. Um, it, that was – he immediately showed that he was going to be more effective than Crockett mm-hmm. um, just based on the – short time that we had seen all three running backs now yep we heard a lot about Beatty coming out of fall camp and he looks great i mean he's he's clearly got a gear and a burst that larry roundtree and demaria crockett don't have and he's just so quick hits that hole so fast um showed the ability that he can catch the ball and run with it as well so mm-hmm. yeah, he's, uh, carved, he's definitely carved out a role that yeah. i'm very happy with yeah we're gonna like him a lot i think in his time here oh yeah um so then Purdue quarterback, um, David Blau. I think I called him David Below on the last <laughs> podcast. Um, needless to say, don't go back and listen to our comments on the Purdue offense last week unless you just want to make fun of us because nobody really expected what happened here. Um, Purdue's next drive, he completed a 50-yard pass. Um, I think Missouri's defense got lucky. They were kind of able to ho- hold up in the end zone and hold them to a field goal so Mm -hmm. anytime knowing what i know now the fact that we held them to field goals as often as we did that was like Mm -hmm. just that ended up being huge yeah so i had the same thought last year when we played purdue but it seemed i mean this guy has had thrown like what two passes over 10 yards in their first two games is that Mm -hmm. accurate Mm mm-hmm so he comes out. I mean, we're basically thinking this guy is just a even glorified Sindelar, running back. Even the, the quarterback that they have that is the pass-first quarterback mm-hmm. or the deep pass quarterback, he hadn't even attempted passes like this, really. Mm-hmm. So clearly uh, their coaching staff or something new, it's something about Mizzou's defense that we didn't. So this guy who, who comes in who's basically never throwing the ball at all outside of the Mizzou game looks like 
Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning combined and like just <laughs> carved this up like n- nothing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And I mean, it's the same thing last year. I just remember thinking, this guy looks like the number one pick of the draft like against us right now. And mm-hmm. of course, he doesn't really play that well against anybody else. Right. Like, I don't know why yeah, that is. It reminded me of um, actually the Missouri State game last year where we were thinking being you know we'll root for Missouri State I mean that's not really the same caliber of football but um, we're thinking hey maybe Missouri State has themselves a quarterback here he went for over 300 yards against Missouri never even touched anything close to 300 yards the rest of their FCS schedule yeah so we could see something like that with um, Mr. Blau so I don't understand what happened but it'll be interesting to see if if Purdue uses him more going forward because he might might win the Heisman if he played that way (laughs) against everybody else I mean they probably won't lose many more games because he was just because they're not going to play an offense like Mizzou's probably the rest of the year yeah so (laughs) not in the Big Ten (laughs) no um, so the next drive, uh, Missouri had, it was about to fizzle out, but then Locke completed a nearly 60 yard pass to Jalen Knox for his first uh, career touchdown. So that was, that was just, he stepped right in. Not, we haven't mentioned it yet here, but sometime during this time, Emmanuel Hall injured his groin. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has not been in the game basically since that first drive, I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a note on Knox for sure. Uh, I, I really liked his tape coming out of high school. I remember kind of watching him this past uh, year as he was still in high school and being pretty excited about him, but I'm not sure that he. I expected him to come in and look as good as he has. He, very polished. He looks very polished, and yeah, he, lo- he doesn't look like a freshman out there. So um, another young guy to be excited about. And a thing about Emmanuel Hall is at times – I think I'd say lost is a strong word to define uh, how our offense looked without him. But I am maybe a little bit worried that we're depending on him a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I think I don't know. It's just I'm not sure we have another really dangerous threat on the offense, uh, you know, as far. Well, as sort of making a play out of nothing that Jamon Moore did that a lot last year. And we saw that from Hall in the first two games where uh, some and we didn't really expect it from Hall as much where he would take these shorter passes and just make turn mm-hmm. something out of nothing. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean I, I don't want to discount Alberto and some of the other, you know, weapons on our team, but clearly Emmanuel Hall is is the number one guy. And Andrew I'm, Locke's shown that he really he likes him. going to the number one guy, whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. So hopefully Emmanuel Hall stays healthy this year because if we are going to pull off a crazy win against Georgia or, you know, or South Carolina or something, I'm not even going to mention Alabama, we're not winning that game, <laughs> uh, then we, we need Emmanuel Hall. We, we can't do it without him. Yeah. Um, Jalen Knox, though, looking good on that touchdown pass or touchdown catch. And then um, for some reason, Purdue on their next drive decided to run the ball twice in a row. Um, that did not work for them. Think, I'm glad they did it because they had to punt. And then... I thought Missouri was basically just taking control of this game because they had a beautiful nine-play, 94-yard drive. There was a 32-yard run by uh, Larry Roundtree. Uh, More completed passes to Knox, a 30-yard pass to Jonathan Johnson, and then a touchdown pass to Alberto. And Missouri, just like that, Missouri's up Mm 27-10. And this is going exactly (laughs) like we talked about um, in our preview. And it's looking like easily... The scores that we were talking about, something like 
38, 27, that, that would be, if you told me 38, 27, I would be surprised to seeing what we'd seen so far that Purdue would get to that point total. Yeah, I, I definitely started to feel a little bit more comfortable at that point when it was 27 to 10. Uh, Barry Odom has said in multiple interviews this week that he thought we were kind of starting to break the game open at that point. Uh, definitely had a chance to break it open. Um, but I don't know if Mizzou got comfortable or if Purdue was just like, we're coming back. I don't know. But well, I think the defense just didn't have it. We just didn't know it yet. The, yeah. the defense just did not have it because the Purdue came right back with a 10 play drive uh, for a touchdown. So immediately made it a 10 point game. So mm-hmm. even though I did feel good being up 27, 10, it was gone like that. Yeah. So, and yeah, maybe the most discouraging part of the whole game looking back is how quickly they got back into it. And they they like finished the first half on so much momentum cuz they yeah. they scored in that drive to make it 27 to 17 and then after you know we decide to kick the 50 yard field goal and it gets blocked mm-hmm. and then they score in what 23 seconds yep. or something so yeah they they finished the half with two scores and just a couple of minutes i think and yeah. they were right back into the rest of the game after right. that so yeah that that made it 27 24 Missouri at halftime which is unthinkable that that would transpire after being up 27 10 because and I still think it's easy to say that that kicking that field goal was a bad decision knowing the outcome but after converting on fourth down twice in the same general vicinity of the field and then having a fourth and four they'd already converted a fourth and eight Mm -hmm. and they have a fourth and four and something that I saw on the internet that I hadn't even thought of at the time was the fact that they kicked a field goal with (laughs) I guess it doesn't seem that crazy with 23 seconds left but I don't know you would never think that Purdue would score a touchdown in 23 seconds but I guess that could be a learning moment for the Mm -hmm. coaching staff to if you're going to kick a field goal to end the half make sure that field goal ends the half and Mm -hmm. that there's no time left for the opposing offense to do anything. I didn't really think about it at the time, to be honest, either, that we were giving them too much time. But (laughs) but not only did we give them some time, but they had excellent field position as well since it was a long field goal. So, yeah, yeah, looking back, it was was a little bit interesting on some of their fourth down decisions. It seemed like they had no hesitation going forward on fourth and eight. And then, like you said, didn't on fourth and four. So I I don't know know if they just... I know McCann can make a Mm 50-yarder, but it just... I don't know. The Did they way, just think their luck like ran out or something? Like, oh, we got it the first time. I don't know if we can do it another yeah. time. I, yeah, it seems seems silly the way. Yeah, I mean, they were, Missouri moved the ball on Purdue at will the entire game. Yeah, that was definitely uh, an, an infamous decision. Yeah, luckily we're not talking about that costing them the game. <laughs> It'd be a pretty different uh, conversation if we were. So Purdue comes out of halftime and uh, immediately ties the game with a field goal. So it's 27 all. Um, The only thing that kept them out of the end zone was Chris Turner had a sack on third and goal. I thought for sure Purdue was going to score a touchdown there, but uh, he kind of came out of nowhere for that sack. So then it was just a tie game. Um, That's something that we didn't see. I mean, we had a couple nice plays in pass rush, but it was basically non-existent the entire game. Yeah, and... 
I just started to feel so bad every time uh, Blau started to throw. I think I mentioned this when we were oh, watching yeah. the game. It was like, I can just tell when he's about to just make an easy completion. Like, yeah. he would kind of wind up and he just looked so confident throwing yep. the ball. I was like, I, I know this is going to be a completion. And then it was. It seemed like almost every time he threw the ball, yeah. he was hitting some wide open yeah. receiver. Effortless. And the, I guess it's the secondary could not cover for any amount of time to let excuse me the pass rush get there yeah but i don't know it just seems like like you're saying we were just watching it and it was so obvious every time he would drop back the defense would get no pressure at all he would lock on to a receiver and about that time he starts throwing it you just know it's going to be it was either going to be a completion or he was just going to overthrow a wide open guy which yeah. he did a few times but there really weren't many situations where the, he had to fit it in a tight window right. or anything like that or it was throw it in a hurry like a contested catch or anything he was just usually like a wide open guy yeah um so missouri answers with uh the best run of the night. It was a great run by Larry Roundtree. It went for 52 yards. That's something that we've been waiting on is one of these runs to just break free and go for a first down and then some. We saw a few of those from Larry Roundtree. I think that's what, obviously, it set him apart from the other running backs and the coaching staff just went with him for the most part the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And then we had a lovely run by Drew Locke into the end zone for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's such a nice weapon now that they have that to just yeah because that's going to be there um once or twice a game the defense is going to go with the running back and he'll mm -hmm. just be able to just virtually walk in or walk for a nice eight-yard gain for a first down in a big moment yeah it definitely adds a, another dimension to the offense um that i'm not sure we've had before so another thing that the, that the uh opposing defenses are going to have to watch out for but yeah yeah missouri i feel like they won't watch out for it though i think it'll not. just be there it's and it'll be like, like happens seldomly if enough it happens once or twice so be it mm -hmm. so they just kind of have it in the back of their minds yeah. that drew can do that yeah but yeah missouri ran really well outside the tackles in this game and it's uh, not something i they've done all that well up to this point in the year so uh yeah roundtree looked really good um <clears throat> the play that drew lock ran it they had like trips to the left and kind of took all the attention to the white to the wide receivers at the top of the field and there was just like a wide open lane for mm -hmm. for drew to take it in so uh good decision on on his part for sure on that play uh, mizzou defense came out and made a play on purdue's next drive they stopped him on fourth and one um i say mizzou's defense stopped him i think the play calling kind of failed purdue on that one as well that was the one where on fourth and one they actually passed it not to the first down marker mm -hmm. and it was incomplete pass anyway it would probably if even if they completed it he was going to get tackled really quickly yeah. so i don't even know if it would have gone for the first down probably not yeah it was really so, good pursuit by christian holmes on that play i actually thought christian holmes might have had the best uh game out of anybody in the secondary yeah. he looked really good um pretty much for a lot of the game is just very physical and uh, yeah, he, he helped out a lot since AC was out. Yeah, and even looking at the defensive stats, um, I saw a few compiled that showed uh, Holmes really didn't give up hardly any big plays at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he may see uh, an increased role going forward, and maybe that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so Mizzou stops him on, on fourth down. Tucker McCann kicks a field goal on uh, Missouri's next drive to go back up by 10. It's late in the third quarter by this time. 
and then uh, not a whole lot happens until something ridiculous happened. Um, Purdue missed a field goal, Mizzou punted, and then on on Purdue's next drive, I don't even know how to describe this, they (laughs) threw a deep pass. It got broken up, but then deflected off of Cam Hilton's helmet Mm -hmm. directly into the hands of another Purdue receiver. It was like such a great play defensively because right. Cam Hilton put a nice hit on him and kind of made him. There was no fumble. chance. The, the original receiver had no chance of catching the ball. Yeah, I don't think that good he defense. really had the catch at any point. Uh, but definitely, Cam Hilton made that an impossible situation for the first receiver or the tight end or whoever it was. Mm-hmm. And then it, yes, that just. We got, uh, dare I say, we got mazooed on that one a little bit. (laughs) So that play went for 74 yards. Um, Then they scored a touchdown to bring it back to a three-point game. And that was pretty demoralizing because it really seemed like for the second time now in the game, Missouri had a chance to put them away. You know, Yeah, it was like two drives in a row that we hadn't stopped them, and it seemed like maybe we're kind of finally starting to figure them out a little bit. Nope. Yeah, that was not the case at all Um, because right after that, Missouri drives deep into Purdue territory and then Drew Locke threw his first interception of the season. That was all the way down at the Purdue 19-yard line. Um, So So painful. Yeah. And that turn of events was obviously the worst thing we had seen this season with that play followed by the interception, but that rivals just about anything we saw last year, I think, because we weren't... The games we won were such blowouts, and the games we lost were also blowouts for the most part. Mm-hmm. There was never this like gut wrenching, horrible to maybe actually like the closest loss we had was Kentucky. Well, I was thinking actually South Carolina with um, I think Alberto fumbled, oh, and then yeah. Debo Samuel returned the kickoff for oh, a touchdown. Yeah, yeah that was like a terrible short, swing. Yeah, yeah. This if Purdue wins this game, this rivals that as far as like. Just mm-hmm. the most horrendous things happening you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was an ugly moment with Drew Locke throwing the interception. Um, clearly, it was him kind of being forced out of his comfort zone. I think they got some pressure on him on that play. He wasn't just comfortably just launching it out of the pocket like he has pretty much all year. He was on the run and tried to hit somebody and just completely there was a, underthrew him. There was a guy there. There was a window there. I think but, it was an open yeah. receiver. He just didn't put enough on it. Right. And it's just not a throw he's probably used to making yeah. very much. It's just a weird right. throw on the run. So then um, <laughs> Purdue just keeps picking apart Missouri's defense. Um, and by now, their quarterback is putting up historic numbers. Um, he ended up with 500 and 72 yards passing, which is just unreal. Literally, people say, people toss around the term video game numbers. That is literally video game numbers, except in a video game, you don't even get 55 pass attempts because... (laughs) Yeah, you got to do it in like three-minute quarters. Yes. Yeah, uh, and it's just even more unbelievable considering what we knew about David Blau coming into this game. It's like, this guy, I mean, this guy had the the i don't even the resume of like one of us if we went into like a, a college football games like you know it's just like he this guy i'm not afraid of i'm not afraid of this guy at all he's not going to do anything 
even I, against a bad defense. Yeah, I mean, and then he throws for like the great. He's like the greatest game I've ever watched by the a quarterback. Purdue blogs, the Purdue fans, none of them expected this. I need to go back. I haven't looked at their like reaction to the game yet. Yeah, on the Purdue blogs, I need to check that out mm-hmm. because I just I want to see how they come to terms with this this He's, quarterback. He has to be the guy going, for going forward for them. Yeah. I would think. I mean, there's no other option. I, the other Sindelar. I mean, sorry, man, you've you've lost your opportunity here. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about that. So they drive all the way down the field, and then on third and goal, there's a pass to Jared Sparks that looks like it's a touchdown. Um, I still can't really believe that this call was overturned. I do think they got it right. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's easy for me to say as a Mizzou fan. Um, But obviously, we have all seen, we all saw the replay 50 times there. There's only one angle that was any good because it showed the ball hitting the ground and moving separately from the receiver's arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do think that you're right. It was the right call, and it wasn't the easiest play to... It wasn't the easiest call to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we can probably say with definitive evidence that they made the right call, but like you said, I did not expect the refs to make that play because even... Uh, they had what's his face on there, uh, like a pretty well respected rules oh, right. analyst. What's mm-hmm. his name? I can't. Even I can't remember. remember. Off my head. Mike yeah, Mike Pereira yeah. comes in, and he even out of nowhere. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he even was like, I don't see any way they overturn this, and so and yeah, I, because I agreed they with called him. it a touchdown on the field. That's you know that's if you watch football, you see in almost every game at some point there's a situation and the words. Uh, Somebody says something like, well, because they called it a touchdown on the field, I think they'll have to say it stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's we not need definitive like, evidence yes. to overturn it. And so, yeah, so I definitely thought that was going to be the situation here. And lo and behold, they yeah. flipped that baby over, and I was ecstatic, <laughs> yeah. man. I was like fist pumping, like standing up right around the wanna, room. I mean, I knew what I thought the correct call was, but I did not want to get my hopes up that they would actually make that call. Right. Because... You just, you don't, I feel like you don't see that very often. I don't think so. They don't want to get involved in a game changing right. play like that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that was news. huge because it forced fourth down. Um, Purdue had to kick a field goal to tie it. Um, I will say though, the way that Missouri moved the ball on their last drive and just basically the, the fact that they just kind of, except for the one play that we'll talk about here in just a second, it was kind of a nonchalant, easy-looking drive for them. Um, maybe it doesn't matter if they actually do score a touchdown there and go up because probably Missouri is able to at least get multiple shots at the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the huge sigh of relief that I felt that it was just tied and that Missouri yes. wasn't losing. Does, it made me feel so much better well, about Missouri's probably, last drive. They probably felt more comfortable too. If it may be a different story, if, right. if we're driving down with you knowing know, you have to score behind. a touchdown, right? Yeah, yeah. So that might be a different thing. But clearly, uh, Drew Locke showed some poise on that drive, and uh, and obviously the play of that drive was was him. You know, despite a, a defensive tackle at his feet, he you know finds Tyler Beatty mm-hmm. off to the side and. At, that was so I, I don't know that was crazy yeah that he found him and uh props to tyler Beatty for going in there it's his third game ever as a college football player and, and leading them down the field like that and it's sh- i think that shows a lot that the coaching staff had him in there on that drive yeah I mean, and it's a massive huge confidence builder for him the fact that he was able to execute like 
we all hoped he could mm-hmm. in that. And we didn't even know that he could at that point. Yeah. Now we know that he can. He knows that he can. He's yeah. ready for those type of situations. Cause, Huge vote of confidence for him yeah. from he the was coaching able to staff. Catch that and run for 20 yards. And then he had consecutive plays where he ran for eight yards. So he was able to doing whatever he wanted. And then out of nowhere, Emmanuel Hall comes back from the dead. <laughs> and and has a 25 yard catch and run and yeah we were literally like oh like yeah. we were like yes like when he, <laughs> when we saw that he was back in the game because yeah i mean he had just disappeared and we didn't know what happened to him yeah i mean and the announcers which holy cow we got to talk about those <laughs> announcers um they basically forgot about him so if you're watching a broadcast and the announcers don't talk about him at all and Jalen Knox is performing how he is. We forgot about him. Mm-hmm. And then for him to come out on that last drive, and he said after the fact that he was hurt, he has something going on with his groin that made him not be able to come back out after the first quarter. But he basically said, I'm going out there. I'm going to try to win the game, mm-hmm. which it's is heroic. awesome. Yeah. Um, it worked yeah. out really well. That was – he just – it looked like a nice little catch and then he turned it into something and 25 yards later we're in field goal range Mm -hmm. yeah he just ran right past the db like trying to tackle him it's just a very emmanuel hall play yeah so then missouri's able to just maneuver themselves on the field get a little bit more yards to make it a basically a chip shot Mm -hmm. um center the ball up for tucker mccann and call timeout with three seconds left he knocks it in as time expires. Missouri wins 40 to 37. Missouri is 3 and 0 on the season. But and we're happy cow. for one more week at least. Yeah. But and Jeez. you touched on this a little bit a few minutes ago, but one thing and I think I tweeted this as well, but one thing that I think for this game is huge uh, is that we won a close contested game mm-hmm. against a, a quality power five opponent. And that's not something that I don't think we've really seen Drew Locke do before. Maybe last year against Arkansas, he, he won a close game. Uh, but it was, to me, so encouraging to see Drew Locke lead the team down the field and take care of business in, you know on the road. Because really, his his time at Mizzou has been bizarre, and we've gotten blown out a lot. And we've destroyed people a lot, but it just seems like there's not been more than a couple of games that have been really, really close that we've pulled out. Well, yeah, I was about to say, I think in Drew Locke's career, this situation, I think it's always been a loss for Mm -hmm. Missouri. Yeah, we Um, lost to Kentucky last year in kind of a back-and-forth game that came down to it. Yeah, Uh, We did beat Arkansas last year in a close game, and I honestly can't really remember the... The details of how that game Missouri ended. Missouri was down multiple times, and mm-hmm. he, <laughs> Drew Lock aired it out to Emmanuel Hall over and over again to get us back yeah. in that game. That was a, that was a really fun game to watch. But yeah, yeah, it's good to you know, it, that's hopefully a trend. Mm-hmm. You and know, they that talked we can about build it. On. Bef- they talked about it before the season that you know, obviously we know Drew Lock's talented and he can put up numbers, but we want wins this year, mm-hmm. and so that was good to see uh, that just actually happen. Yeah. So. Um, that was it was an exhausting game i think the players were exhausting it was like the coaches were obviously exhausted so i think the announcers were exhausted (laughs) or drunk or something all right well we'll we've got to we've got to cover this because this was some of the most bizarre announcing i've ever experienced easily the we knew that we were probably not gonna be in for the best broadcast ever 
on Big Ten Network. Yeah, we, we, thought, we were expecting definitely some bias towards right. Purdue, and that's fine. That It's Big Ten Network. We did not expect the color commentator to consistently get confused about whose team had an offensive coordinator named Derek Dooley. <laughs> did it happen more than twice? It The first time that I noticed it was because the very, the very first time that he said anything about an offense utilizing their tight ends, he said it, um, that Derek Dooley, you know, had these plans for his tight ends, mm-hmm. and Purdue was on the field. They had just completed yeah. a pass to a tight end. Yeah, you like looked at me and you were like Derek Dooley, and yeah. I kind of didn't really hear it, so and I just kind of was like, I, I didn't really. Right, hear. and I actually at that point had was still giving him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he was just like saying, maybe I missed part of it. He was saying Purdue's using their tight ends. Derek Dooley also wants to use his tight ends in this certain way. Mm-hmm. No, because. <laughs> <laughs> At least two, uh, he referred to Derek Dooley as being the Missouri offensive coordinator when Albert O would make a catch. And then I think two more times he mentioned Derek Dooley and the tight ends when obviously these times referring to Purdue. Mm -hmm. I think my personal favorite moment of the whole game was unfortunately (laughs) at a really dire part of the game. (laughs) I think it's when uh, (laughs) I can barely even get this out. When Drew locked through the interception, yeah. right before it, he said, <laughs> he called Emmanuel Hall, Emmanuel Sanders. And like, yeah, referring to the fact that he wasn't out there. He's like, said something about, and I was like, without Emmanuel Sanders. I was like, not happy about the game because we just like literally threw an interception at the most like important juncture of the entire game. But I just like couldn't help but like cry laughing that he just called him Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, that was. And that was kind of way after the point where we had realized this guy's insane and he's yeah. like almost every sentence that comes out of his mouth or something wrong with it. Yeah. We so just, that was just like the cherry on top at that point. Yeah. And the the fact that Missouri won, I think, makes us a lot uh, easier to talk about this sort of thing with a smile on our faces. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even in those stressful moments, some one of us would just say, Emmanuel Sanders. And we'd just all crack up <laughs> laughing because we were like, what? Like, what is going on? I don't know, but he was... Uh, we saw some pretty funny comments on Twitter afterwards, too. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it's about time for this guy to go back to the nursing home, or what time does he have to be back, or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But it was very applicable for how strange he was acting. Yeah, speaking of uh, Twitter and just, like, the internet in general, though, um, did you see any of the follow-up with Drew Locke and the sign? I did. Yeah, that was actually a pretty cool story. Yeah, so I actually saw right like at I the saw time live. Yeah. yeah and i was like what was is like that running around with a sign i'm like why oh, I, I thought we like said maybe it was like it looked like one of those like play calling boards which yeah. missouri doesn't even use like but, high definition photo on it and yeah. i was like what is that so then after the fact the i actually found somebody had tweeted the reddit um i don't know what do you call it the reddit post yeah, that the post, guy yeah that yeah. the guy the the purdue student that made the sign posted uh drew lock stole my sign here's mm-hmm. the story and he was really cool about it he said that he made this sign and um drew lock saw it pre-game and he was like kind of taunting him with it and then i think they made a bet that if that drew lock would come sign the sign at the end of the game yeah or actually something like that yeah maybe but uh yeah. Well, Regardless, guy, Drew Lock came over to the to the stands to sign the sign and just took it. Yeah. 
and the guy was not happy about it right. initially apparently yeah so he yeah apparently he was really mad about it at the time and actually like waited until the players came out of the stadium towards the buses and it was like found drew lock was like hey man where's my sign and apparently at that time drew lock was really cool about it and was like oh man it hasn't come out yet like let's we'll find it and and see what we need to do or something and he was like the fan was like well you can just keep it if i can get a selfie so he took a selfie with drew lock and mm. they were cool with each other after that and i wonder what drew would have done with that sign if they lost <laughs> probably just nothing but yeah probably just not even acknowledge it. it's pretty funny so now apparently it's hanging up above drew lock's locker and the team is going to use it as motivation wow for the rest of the season so Shout out to that Purdue fan. Yeah, it said like Mizzou still sucks or yes. something, and it had like a, a picture photo of, Drew Lock. of yeah from last year. The final the, score. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of an, a neat story that came out of that. But uh, back to the serious, the serious topic at hand. Um, got some stats here. Drew Locke ended up throwing for 375 yards and three touchdowns, which is another great game for him. Pretty overshadowed though by the 572 yards, which was a Purdue single game record, and also a Missouri opponent single game record. So Missouri obviously they literally did not run the ball more than like five times all yeah. game. And um, they had come into the game with the best like rushing average per carry in the nation and they yeah. didn't run at all. Yeah, they actually they they, run, they ran the ball 16 times for a total of 42 yards. Really? I yeah. honestly thought it was like five times. <laughs> well, it just amounted to nothing yeah. because and I still don't really know, maybe they just thought there's no point in trying to run I don't know because why they Missouri's defense is that's it, their strength. It didn't work for them, so yeah. I guess they knew what they were doing. Yeah, but uh, Jalen Knox, awesome game for the freshman. He was the SEC freshman of the week after his five catch for 110-yard performance and, of course, the touchdown. Um, Emmanuel Hall basically only played a little over a quarter of the game and had four receptions for 88 yards, so he's still um, on track to have an amazing season. Roundtree, a career high, 168 yards. We talked about how much we like seeing him run off the tackle and just break runs over and over again, uh, with, especially with that long of 52. And then Tyler Beatty, we talked about him a ton, but uh, 12 carries for 61 yards, and then also that huge catch and run in the fourth quarter. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is Missouri is 3-0, and we need to just be happy about it. Because if you told me before the season started, Missouri's going to be 3-0 going into the Georgia game, I'd say that is mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be too excited about it and because just in the nature of what happened in that game. But you're right. I think we do just need to be happy that we're 3-0. I would have been ecstatic with that before the season started. You're right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's some things, too, like AC basically not playing the entire game except for one play the freak pass play yes a few things like that um i mean you can maybe a couple of those things and like drew Locke's interception you know some of those mistakes are going to happen mm-hmm. one thing i did like was that missouri still was the more disciplined team um as far as penalties mm-hmm. because they were hardly penalized i think four penalties for 40 yards or something like that mm-hmm. which i would take in just about every single game the rest of the year i think yeah uh but also on the other side of the spectrum i don't want to uh, be too much of a sunshine pumper no. because we really had, didn't talk about it much but the defense was flat out terrible at yeah. times and it's very it was very concerning and there were 
multiple people in the linebackers in the secondary who couldn't cover anything and the defensive line got very little uh, you know rush on on pass plays so we don't want to just make excuses for for how poor the defense was and to me it's disappointing because it felt like we started to really come on last year and um, seemed to have a lot of confidence coming into the season on that side of the ball so uh, it seemed like massive regression, which is really depressing yeah. um, against an offense that we really shouldn't, we really weren't scared of before the game. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what Purdue does the rest of the year. Um, it was interesting to see their their season last year, just because of it's again a kind of odd end of in game result uh, for their matchup with, I mean, with Purdue versus Missouri. So. They've lost. Purdue's lost three games now that were really close. So I don't think the Purdue fans have too much concern, especially if they have a quarterback who can play half as well as he did um, as at finding receivers and everything in that game. So it's still, there's still some optimism for Missouri's defense in that you know those injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean. Going against these SEC teams that pride themselves on running the ball and have really efficient quarterbacks, it just doesn't seem... A little seem, terrifying. Yeah. But I guess if if you have a good enough offense that you can actually win some shootouts, if, the, um, if last year's blowout losses are games that you're in and they're just shootouts, it's better than a blowout loss. And if you can still beat the bad teams, they shouldn't... Missouri shouldn't have trouble beating bad teams in conference. They beat bad teams in conference last year. Mm-hmm. They should beat bad teams in conference this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, Odom seemed to think that a lot of the issues were, were correctable. So we will see. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else he would say. Like, True. Uh, You're right. Well, uh, these issues, they're going to be there. So get better get used <laughs> to them. You're right. All right, so that was a fun game, um, mostly because of the outcome. I'm not so sure about the outcome for this Week 4 matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is 3-0. They are ranked number two in the country. Uh, they've beaten Middle Tennessee and Austin P at home and then had a big road win over South Carolina. And I was doing a little research on that South Carolina game between them and Georgia, and I noticed that the headline for the ESPN article was, Number 3 Georgia Turns Road Test Into Route. And I thought, hmm, that might be the exact same headline after the Mizzou game. We sure hope it's not, but Georgia is favored by 14.5 points on the road, which is a pretty big spread for a road team Mm -hmm. in conference. So, Yeah, it's... uh it's Georgia. They're amazing. They're very well coached. They've got a competent quarterback. They've got great running backs. They've got talent everywhere. Yeah. Um, so it's, it seems like uh, Georgia in the past, you know, a few years, it seems like they've had the that similar caliber of talent, but just haven't been able to string together as many consistent wins as they have the past couple of years, but they're doing it now. So uh, they're kind of terrifying. Yeah, I think... Georgia sort of went from a team that you think, well, if a few things bounce our way, 
we could we could win this game mm-hmm. and now it's a lot of things have to go just perfect mm-hmm. for us to have a shot at winning this game they're kind of one of those rare scenarios where um, they fire a coach that's consistently winning 10 games a year and it actually ends up working out for them yeah it seems i see i feel like we see it all the time where uh like producer cameron's nebraska uh you know teams like that where they're, they're winning you know, nine or 10 games a year, but it's mm-hmm. still not good enough. And they right. fire their coaches and they come back and, you know, the, the new coaches aren't as good. And just, you know, we've seen that a lot lately. Just Texas, ridiculous expectations yes. that the new coach cannot live up to. Well, Georgia fires Mark Rick and fires Mark Richt. And I'm kind of like, I don't know what you're doing because yeah. he's a great coach, I thought. Yeah. And then they, you know, they get Kirby Smart and he takes them to the national championship game in two years. So, um, yeah, now they're sitting with a number two ranking, right. uh, a quarterback that's completing 80% of his passes, so a running game out for him that right hasn't now. dropped off. That's the that's the crazy thing is that there's been no drop off when you send two running backs to the NFL Yeah, and you turn around and fill those spots with two guys that are probably going to be in the NFL. So it's like um, they're reloading. Georgia fans would, be a, would, would hate this, but it's like Alabama junior just <laughs> with the way that they're, I mean, you're right. Took the defensive coordinator from Alabama, recruiting better than Alabama in some ways. So it's it's scary to think that they were able to upgrade their entire football program like that, just mm-hmm. basically with one year, one year buffer in Kirby Smart's first year. So they're averaging 45 points per game and holding opponents to eight eight points per game. Um, Missouri, on the other hand, still with the dominant offense, 43 points per game. But uh, the opponent average is 21. So, and Missouri's played two teams that they were supposed to blow out. Georgia's played two teams that they were supposed to blow out. One difference is uh, Georgia's holding those teams to barely scoring any points at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri wasn't that dominant on defense in their in their blowout wins. And then obviously we know what happened against Purdue, but. Uh, Obviously, that's a concern. I mean, the fact that Georgia is so good on offense and backs it up with athletes all over the field on defense is just kind of doesn't give you very much hope. And I don't think any Georgia opponents this year are going to have very much hope going into their games. Yeah, I think if um, if Georgia was maybe. I don't know. This seems weird to say this kind of a paradox, but if they were maybe like a little bit more explosive, I actually think that we might have a better chance in this game. But it's the fact that that from is so consistent mm-hmm. is what kind of scares me is I think we're going to get death by paper cut in this right. game is because he's just kind of do what what Blau did last week I think and just kind of slash us you know with open underneath routes and um, tight ends and stuff like that I don't think they're going to need to go for the home run very often because right. they, they don't really do that a whole lot but yeah if they like I totally understand what you're saying though if they were more explosive there would be an element of volatility that right. you could take advantage of exactly. more mistakes and stuff like that and mm-hmm. when they're just consistently good you know fundamental football i think uh, a few years ago missouri called it old man football <laughs> yeah but uh shout that, out to uh, sheldon richardson <laughs> yeah but the fact that i mean i just found a stat when i was doing some research there's 13 of 14 in the red zone opportunities as far as scoring um either a field goal or a touchdown and the vast majority of the time it's been a touchdown this year um, like I said, from completing 80% of his passes is just unreal. He hasn't played a fourth quarter yet this season. So 
I don't know. <laughs> Come out of this game unscathed, injury-wise, maybe might be a win. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and we will still, we'll we'll know more about this Missouri team yeah. after this game. I mean, right. we'll know how the offense will fare going up against a legitimate top-tier defense. And I really, I would expect them to still be able to move the ball. I mean, the offensive line is still going to be able to protect. It may not be at the level that we've seen the first three games, but Drew Locke will still have time to find his receivers. They won't be as wide open, I imagine. Mm-hmm. All of those wide open plays will be that much closer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I still think Mizzou will score in this game. I think mm-hmm. they'll they'll still, maybe not with, with relative ease, but I think they will, will still score several touchdowns in this game. Um, it's the defense, obviously, that we're worried about. Yeah, and I think if Missouri can avoid a scoreless quarter, that'll actually be a really big thing as far as keeping this game close. Mm -hmm. Because they just need to be able to go out there and keep moving the ball consistently. And I hate settling for field goals, but, you know, getting a 10-point quarter is huge because anytime Georgia, I think, is going to score in every single quarter. They're going to score however they want for the most part. Hopefully Missouri's defense can take advantage of any mistakes that are made, but um, the offense is going to have to find its stride early and keep the pedal to the metal and just keep scoring as much as they possibly can. Well, that's exciting. I still am not sure if I'm going to end up going to that game or not. Um, It might be more enjoyable just to watch it on TV, but uh, we'll see how the, the ticket prices are maybe tomorrow and make that decision. But um, overall should be a good game hopefully the recruits that are there visiting have a good time but uh, and hopefully we have just something to learn about and something to build on after that game if Mizzou does win this game is it like I don't know I, I'm afraid to say ever but you rush the field for sure is it one of the biggest is it a t- like a top three Mizzou football win ever if it was later in the season, I would say for sure, uh, just because we don't know exactly what is going to happen with Georgia's season. Um, if if Georgia was ten and zero and Missouri was, you know, like whatever, only had one or two losses, and it was that situation, or if both teams were undefeated at seven and zero or something like that. I mean, it sort of. If college game day had been there, that I know, that doesn't really change the game, but the whole the mystique surrounding it because right. you have that game against Oklahoma um, where college game day was there. I don't think even Oklahoma was even, I think they may have been fifth or something in the country at that time. I don't, they weren't number one. I know that because Missouri's never beaten a team ranked number one. But that would be up there. Obviously, we're uh, dating ourselves because we're young and don't remember some of the other big games. But <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would be huge. I, if they were able to pull off the upset, I think immediately people would be saying, oh, well, Georgia is obviously not what we thought they were because we thought they were a national championship contender and they lost to Missouri. But if you look at every national championship contender over the last five years or so they do lose a game or two you know so Mm -hmm. just a quick edit um 
Oklahoma actually was number one were they really? at that time. Yeah, I thought they were, but okay. I wasn't 100% sure. I thought the only reason I said that is because I thought I read in the media guide at the beginning of the year that Missouri was winless against number one ranked teams, but yeah, it's, I must have just read that wrong. Maybe so. I don't know. But yeah, but that was a huge game. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that for sure. All right, so let's hear your pick for this Georgia game and what score you think the, the final score will be. I'm going to pick Georgia 41 to 27. Uh, shockingly, that's very similar to the score I wanted to pick. <laughs> Let me see what I wrote Great down. Great think alike, right? Uh, I wrote it down earlier. Actually, it's on my phone. Let me look. Okay. I had it a little bit closer than that. Maybe a late garbage time Missouri touchdown gets them closer. But I had it at 38-28 Georgia. And I'm thinking Georgia's going to just <laughs> score at will, I think, on Missouri because Fromm's so good, he's just going to pick them apart. But I, I really think it stems, it all goes back to Missouri scoring consistently. Not having a zero on the board in any of the quarters is going to be huge. So if they do that, maybe it's a little bit closer than the 14-point the spread would lead us to believe. All right, so now let's pick some more games. We have our segment, SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. And after the first week, we are tied. So the way we do this is you get a point for every pick you get right. If you pick an upset correctly, you get two points. So last week, Kyle got four points. He got two with his upset pick of Troy over Nebraska. And that was a guarantee. Kyle absolutely guaranteed that (laughs) Troy was going to beat Nebraska. So... I mean, maybe start taking his his bet his picks because I just know Nebraska's not very good, so that's why <laughs> I was I was guaranteeing that one. And then we each got a point for the Notre Dame win over Vandy, even though that was a lot closer than we were expecting. And then um, Alabama destroying Ole Miss, we each got a point. Kyle missed on Arkansas losing to North Texas, and I missed on Nebraska. Um, that upset, but we both missed on Auburn. We, we both picked Auburn and they got upset by LSU and I got two points for my pick of North Texas over Arkansas. So we both got to make a pick that trolled a rival fan base and they, then they came through. So that's good. Um, so we're both sitting at four points and we'll start it off with the Nebraska pick. They are on the road against Michigan. I think I accidentally said that they were a underdog last week. They were not. It was an upset. <laughs> Seemed like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this week they are for sure an underdog. They're an 18-point underdog, according to ESPN, to uh, Michigan on the road. I, I don't even like Michigan. I don't even think they're a good team. Yeah, the 18-point spread seems large, yeah. considering Michigan is If I was picking against the spread, I would maybe pick Nebraska against yeah, the spread Yeah, I think here. so. But, but straight up, I'm going to pick Michigan. I'm picking the uh, fighting Harbaugh's in this one, <laughs> in the khaki pants. The fighting khaki pants. All right, now to the SEC, um, games that people actually care about. Um, Texas A&M at Alabama. Sorry, producer Cameron, do you want to, do you want to give us any analysis over of Nebraska last week or they were awful? Okay, <laughs> that's all we need. No starting quarterback, <laughs> and they look terrible. Yeah, so they get their quarterback back this week though. Oh, well, that'll be the difference. So you think you're going to predict the upset? I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> 
All right. So Texas A&M on the road at Alabama. This is a ridiculous spread. Alabama is favored by 26 points, but uh, we thought the spread last week was ridiculous and they absolutely destroyed Ole Miss, something that we don't usually see in conference play. Yeah, I'm picking Bama in this one. Um, Texas A&M, uh, who did they play a couple weeks ago? They played somebody, uh, Clemson. They played mm-hmm. Clemson really tough um, and actually showed us that they might be uh, a decent team this year. Might actually put some wins together with all that talent. Um, yeah, Jimbo Fisher, I think that's another one of those situations where they fire Kevin Sumlin and you're like, really? What are you going to get somebody better to replace him? And then sure enough, in walks... Uh, former national champion coach Jimbo Fisher. So yeah. they just reloaded with an even better coach. So I assume that they're going to be really good in the very near future. So and Kevin Sumlin has been terrible so far at Arizona. Right. So that was clearly the right move. All right. So we both got Alabama there. Then this one is going to be a really close game. According to Vegas, South Carolina is only a two point favorite on the road at Vanderbilt. And it, before last week, I would have said take South Carolina all the way, but Vanderbilt played really well on the road against Notre Dame this past week. Uh, they did. Um, they kind of had a moral victory against Notre Dame um, on the road. Um, I'm going to pick South Carolina still. I, I, th- I still think South Carolina is pretty far superior to Vanderbilt. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, Vanderbilt played decent, and they have a good defense and a couple of weapons on offense. But until I, until I see them actually beat people, I just don't know that I can believe in them that much. I'm going to stay on brand um, and pick more against South Carolina here. So I'm going to pick the upset. I said in our preview episodes uh, several weeks ago that I was just not feeling the South Carolina love that some of the sports writers were uh, picking them to go second in the um, SEC East. So I Vanderbilt at home, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and pick for the upset there. Then we have uh, Mississippi State, who is a 10-point favorite on the road against Kentucky. I think Mississippi State is, like, sneaky good. Like, I th- this might be a r- ridiculous statement, but I think they could push for second place in the SEC West this year. Absolutely. I, I think they're that good. Um, they have, obviously, a, a great uh, quarterback, um, really great running back that I've watched as well. I, I can't remember. Is it Fitzpatrick? Is that the quarterback's name? No idea. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, they've got some great personnel on offense and uh, and a great defense as well. So, those are all the things you need to be good at football. Yeah. Um, great analysis of Mississippi State right there. Um, yeah, tweet at us with your analysis of Mississippi State if you think you Somebody can do better tell than us. That. Somebody um, tell us about I'm Mississippi, Mississippi State. State, too. I agree that they are a better football team than Kentucky. Um, I think even though Kentucky's at home, I totally agree with you, though, that I, I see Mississippi State finishing second. I mean, we'll, LSU will be an interesting case, the fact that they knocked off Auburn. But uh, I think Mississippi State will be right there at the end of the year. Um, an SEC East matchup, uh, Florida, who is a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. Um, if you have listened to this podcast before you know that i'm not a fan of tennessee uh i just can't stand you guys sorry if there's anyone from tennessee that listens to this podcast but i am gonna pick you guys to win this game oh my goodness um, i already wrote down florida florida oh, really wow. wow florida is just i think they're gonna fall apart this year um 
they already lost to Kentucky. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not riding the the, the funky Florida train this year. So uh, and Tennessee's at home. So they they haven't really shown anything good this year. But they haven't shown us that they're terrible or anything either, though. So I uh, true. We'll see how that goes. All right. So big, huge disagreement that's been episodes long on this podcast is that I like Florida way more than Kyle does. So. I know they lost to Kentucky, but I'm going to pick them against Tennessee here um, on the road. I think I said this in our preview. I think they have a better shot of getting second in the East than South Carolina does, who everybody picked. It could turn out that neither one of them does. I'd like that because that means maybe Missouri does. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with Florida here. Mississippi State's quarterback is Fitzgerald. By of the way, of course, yes, that actually I, that actually does sound very familiar. Now. Yeah. I thought it so. Maybe, we know all about them now. Yes, yes, yes. That brings it all back. Uh, last one for us to pick here is Arkansas and on the road against Auburn. Auburn is a thirty-point favorite against Arkansas. Arkansas is awful, um, and it's great. <laughs> I really like that. So Auburn's going to win. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> bet your house on Auburn to cover that <laughs> 30 point spread because Arkansas is so bad. Yeah, producer Cameron, go ahead. How bad did they lose to was it North Texas? Yeah, uh, North Texas. They lost by like 18 points or something. I think it was more than that. Yeah. Let me look it up really quick. <laughs> I know at one point they were down like I'm pretty sure North to 17 Texas or something. covered the spread. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. The 30 point. Oh my word. <laughs> that is insane. I know I actually thought I was reading some previews on Arkansas before the season, and I thought they might have something because they're just going from a ground and pound Brett Bielema team to an air it out offense under their new coach, but it has not worked so far. The score was 44 to 17, and so that means they won by 27. Ooh, that was close. Yeah, I, I knew that uh, it, it would probably uh, be at least a year or two before Arkansas was was decent because i just knew they didn't have the personnel to run the offense they want to run but this was way worse than we could have ever imagined so it's yeah. amazing yeah so auburn big against uh, arkansas there you got anything else for the folks we'll, we'll tally up our our picks at the end of the week or after the weekend's over nothing else other than than love yep we'll send much love send good vibes to all the listeners um hope you have a good time watching the game on saturday That's all I've got for us for this week, but we will be right back next week. We'll be recapping this Georgia game. Hopefully it's a good one. And uh, since Missouri has a bye week, we're hoping we might get some basketball recruiting news. We won't have a game to preview for next week, but maybe we'll get to talk some basketball with some major recruits. Um, So why don't you tell them where they can find us? Yeah, you can find this uh, podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can tweet us at Missouri Sports One, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter as well. You can find me at C underscore Albert08. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.